that Harlem night. Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Gonna turn it up, please. I done fell in love with yeah. Party at the bodega. It's your man Ben Pharrell with Thinking Out Loud. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing good. For real. Salute. Yo. Identifying victims of the Marari wildfires will be challenging as the death tolls climbs to 111. Identifying victims at the Marari wildfires will be challenging. The death toll climbs to 111. The challenge is formidable, identifying the remains of more than 100 victims as agonized loved ones yearn for information about those missing in Marawi after the United States' deadliest wildfire in more than a century. More than a century. It is painstaking. It's a painstaking process and one that other communities have endured following disasters and mass casualties. The event of DNA technology and subsequent advances have provided powerful tools, but looking for people, looking for more um, survivors remains. Zeroing in on genetic material or other clues and amassing the information needed to get a match still takes time if certain if certainty certainty comes at all. As Morawi Police Chief John Pelletier said this week when asked about the death toll, you want it fast, we're going to do it right. Here's a look at how the work of identification unfolds. What is known so far, all right? As Thursday afternoon, the toll stood at 111. Though the search continues and Governor Josh Green has warned scores more could be found, all right, Mowari County said nine victims have been identified. Officials have released five names while trying to reach families of the other four, but some other names have emerged from relatives. Dozens of search and rescue dogs and hundreds of people were working to search devastated areas Thursday. The governor said in the video update, the federal government said it dispatched coroners, you know, the coroners, pathologists and technicians, x-rays, units and stuff like that, and other equipment to identify victims and process remains. You see what I'm saying? Dozens of search and rescue dogs and hundreds of people were working to search devastated areas on Thursday. The governor said in a video update, the federal government said it dispatched coroners, coroners, the coroner, my bad, I be pronouncing saying in different accents and stuff, and pathologists, technicians, x-ray units, and other equipment to identify victims and process and process still remains. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services official Jonathan Green said the work stood to be very, very difficult and called for patience, as have the police chief and others. Rapid DNA testing machines that were used after a 2018 blaze that largely 
largely destroyed Paradise, California, also are being put to work in Marawi. The instruments, roughly the size of a large computer printer or microwave oven, were developed a decade or so ago and designed for use in the field by automating a lot of steps that traditionally have been done manually in the labs. They can produce a DNA profile in two hours, said Dr. Richard Selden, the founder and the chief scientist of Longmont, Colorado-based manufacturer, ANDE Corpse. That's the name of the company. But a DNA fingerprint isn't all it takes to make an identification. Uh, how are the remains identified and what are the obstacles? That's the question asked by reporters. In some situations, dental work, prosthetics, surgical implants, fingerprints, tattoos, or other body markings can reveal a person's identity. But the heat and power of a wildfire can destroy these clues. And dental and medical records sometimes are unavailable or difficult to track down. An intense fire also can leave remains too damaged for DNA extraction. Though they, though there have been scientific strides, New York City medical examiners notably have retested fragment, fragmentary, fragmentary remains of 9-11 victims as techniques evolved over the years and created new prospects for reading genetic code diminished by fire, sunlight, bacteria, and more. So with all of that being said, it might take a while, like a, a minute, might take uh, about a year to identify remains and identify people that was lost in this fire in Marawi, Hawaii, all right? So what you typically expect in a wildfire is that you're going to have a range and there are going to be some, some that are quite straightforward and some that are more challenging, Selden stated. Ultimately, the vast majority of the Paradise Fire victims were identifiable via DNA. He stated, getting and analyzing the victim's genetic material isn't the only hurdle. Authorities need something for comparison, a sample from the person when alive or often from their relations. There is something people can do. Their close relatives should donate their cheek swabs, seldom said. Morari officials have been urging likewise. The American Red Cross is working with authorities to collect samples from family members and is helping them navigate the bureaucrat the bureaucracy of making identifications. The bureaucracy of bureaucracy. I hate when I be doing that shit, but at least I know how to do it. The American Red Cross yeah, the American Red Cross is working with authorities to collect samples from family members and is helping them navigate through the bureaucracy of making identifications. Red Cross official Brad Kizerman stated, How long might this take? 
it took months to make positive identifications of some of the 85 Paradise fire victims and notify their relatives. After wildfires killed 24 people in Northern California, Sonoma County, the year before, most were identified within the first month. But the sheriff's office has said it took two months to finish the process. The hijacked plane terror attacks on September 11, 2001 killed nearly 3,000 people at New York's World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and a Pennsylvania field. The collapse of the trade centers burning twin towers left a vast number of tiny human remains amid ashes and debris. About 1,100 victims have yet to have any remains identified. You see what I'm saying? So this could take a long time, basically. You understand? It might take a while before they could get all of the IDs of all of the victims in the Mawari fire in Hawaii. It might take a long time. And it might take up a lot of resources. You already know, uh, America, the banks are collapsing real bad. You got to put that in perspective, too, because I know it's going to cause a problem. And look what the president said the other night ago, talking about a one-time payment fee of $700 to the victims so they could get their stuff together. $700 is a big-ass joke, if you ask me. That's not going to help anybody. So $700 is nothing. That's not that's not even money, all right? So you need to cut it out, bro. Like, you're being extremely silly, whoever came up with that um, bright idea. But anyway, moving along, we're going to see what's out here, over here in the goddamn media world. All right, Boiling Brook man found guilty of fatally shooting girlfriend in front of her two-year-old child, a Boiling, Boiling Brook man. That's in the Illinois area. Boylan Brookman found guilty of fatally shooting his girlfriend in front of his two-year-old child. Uh, that's their child that they share together. And Boylan Brookman was found guilty of shooting and killing a young mother in front of her toddler last January in, Ju- in Juliet or Joliet. That's outside of Chicago, Illinois area. Jermaine Manley, a 47-year-old, shot his girlfriend, 24-year-old Maya Smith, several times in the abdomen and head while she was parked in the alley on January 8th near the 1200 block of Clement Street. Smith's two-year-old daughter was in the back seat. Manley was seen on surveillance video standing in the doorway of the vehicle with what appeared to be a muzzle flashing going off. All right. He was seen on surveillance video standing in the doorway of the vehicle with what appeared to be muzzle flashes going off like he's shooting a gun. Manley shut the car door and ran away. His fingerprints was found on the inside door handle of the car. Manley also appeared on ring video camera at a friend's house down the block roughly four minutes later. Text messages on Smith's phone revealed she had agreed to meet him prior to the shooting. 
Manly was supposed to work the next day, but did not show up. He was later found in Chicago. A jury found Manley guilty on all three counts of first-degree murder and two counts of endangering the life or health of a child. Smith's two-year-old daughter was in the back seat of that night. Manley faces 45 years to life in prison. His sentencing is scheduled for November 7th. You see what I'm saying? Born in Brookman, found guilty of fatally shooting his girlfriend in front of her two-year-old child. All right? Got to make you aware. This is what we do here. A boiling brook man was found guilty of shooting, killing a young mother in front of a toddler. Last January, and Joy Liette, Jermaine Manley, shot his girlfriend, 24-year-old Maya Smith, several times in the abdomen and head while she was parked in the alley on January 8th, near the 1200 block of Clement Streets. Smith's two-year-old daughter was in the back seat. Manley was seen on surveillance video standing in the doorway of the vehicle with what appeared to be muzzle flashes going off. Manley shut the car door, the car door and ran away. His fingerprints were found on the inside door handle of the car. Manley also appeared on a ring video camera at a friend's house down the block roughly four minutes later. Text messages on Smith phone revealed she had agreed to meet him prior to the shooting. All right, so Manley was supposed to work the next day but never showed up to work. He was later found in Chicago. See what I'm saying? Gotta make you aware. Uh, what else we got on the news? I think I had seen something else. All right, Los Angeles now has its own task force to combat retail thefts. Los Angeles Mayor Cameron Bass, along with local law enforcement officials on Thursday, announced the formation of a new task force to crack down on retail thefts amid a recent spike of smash and grab robberies across the Los Angeles area. During the press conference, local leaders revealed the task force went into effect Wednesday night. The task force includes 22 assigned full-time investigators from the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Glendale Police Department, Burbank Police Department, Beverly Hills Police Departments, Santa Monica Police Department, and California Highway Patrol, as well as federal partners. There will also be prosecutors embedded into this task force from the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. All right, they got the L.A. City Attorney's Office and the California Attorney General's Office. All right, so I'm probably going to have to repeat it again because, you know, I told you I use Pro Tools to record my podcast. There will also be a list of prosecutors embedded into this task force from the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. The, the L.A. City's Attorney's Office and the California Attorney's General Office. The task force will operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it will respond to all incidents and follow-ups on leads with a full scope of investigative resources. 
officials stated. It is currently based in the San Fernando Valley area, where authorities said the majority of the crimes have taken place, in addition to the west region of Los Angeles. Mayor Bass emphasized that if someone commits a crime, we'll catch you. Governor Gavin Newsom has since directed the CHP to triple its resources in Los Angeles to help the city crack down on organized retail crime. The state is investigating hundreds of millions of dollars to crack down on organized crime and with and when our local partners need further assistance, we are ready with a helping hand. The CHP, the California Highway Patrol, if you're wondering what CHP stands for. The CHP is the proven leader in tackling organized retail theft. And through this expanded partnership, the agency will further assist the city in doing its job to keep uh, Angelinos and their businesses safe. A Los Angeles Nordstrom store was ransacked by a mob of more than 30 people over the weekend with the suspects getting away with nearly $100,000 worth of handbags and clothes. On August 8th, a mob of thieves was seen on the video as they fled a East St. Laurent store in Glendale in broad daylight, getting away with armloads of merchandises worth of an estimated $300,000. I already covered this right here. So you already know what the state of California did with its laws. California, like many states, has been brazen, brazen smash and grab robberies in recent years, a trend that saw an increase during the COVID-19 pandemic. Authorities said that said not only will they be cracking down on suspected robbers, but other individuals who may aid in these crimes, such as getaway drivers, those harboring suspects, and those who buy or sell stolen merchandise. Officials also addressed the impact of the zero bail policy, saying they will look at all chargeable offenses as robberies. Each of these, each of these acts takes away from our peace of mind or our sense of our security when we want to go out and do some shopping in retail communities. All right, LAPD Deputy Chief Blake Chow said during the press conference in City Hall, the Los Angeles Police Department will not tolerate these acts. We will not stand by idly while these acts continue. All right. Giving it to you raw and uncut. You know what I'm saying? Making you snort all that up right there. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry if I have to use that analogy. I didn't mean to offend you, but I know everybody's not perfect in this motherfucker. But anyway, you know how they got these no-bell policies that they came up with. And when they catch the uh, they catch the perpetrators or whatever, they catch them, they swiftly back out in the streets. But there was another article that I read earlier, and I got to go look for it. Hold up. Matter of fact, I'm going to have to cut this short because 
I got breaking news and stuff like that. So I'm going to start up a whole new segment. Fuck that shit. I'm going to just get this one out the way. All right. So this is your man, Ben Farrell. Ben Farrell with Thinking Out Loud. Subscribe to the YouTube. That's Box Benji. That's B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I. That's the same name that you could use to follow me on Instagram. And then you could go on TikTok. That's underscore Murder Envy. Follow me on TikTok, underscore Murder Envy. That's underscore M-U-R-D-E-R-E-N-V as in Victor. I, I, I'm going to holler at you later. I'm going to, not later, but I'm going I'm to be right back anyway because I'm going to hit you with another segment. Boom. It's the home night. Going to turn it up, please. I'm home nice. Going to turn it up, please. I don't feel love with. Going to turn it up, please. I'm home nice. Party at the Bodega